Hi, this is Alana Terry. Welcome to Season 5 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you some full and complete and unabridged Christian fiction audiobooks to keep you encouraged and inspired. This season's audiobook is called What Dreams May Come and is narrated by Pamela Lawrence, written by me, Alana Terry, and sponsored by our COVID-19 fundraiser. So what we're doing is taking some of my ebook novels and I've bundled them up as a pay what you can product with a portion of all royalties going to support local relief efforts for COVID-19. If you want to be involved in this fundraiser, it's going to be for a limited time. You can check it out at alanaterry.com novels. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 19 No matter how hurried she felt, no matter how upset she was to be so late, Susanna had to drive slowly on account of the snow, which turned the Orchard Grove roads into nothing more than black sheets of ice. Something Grandma Lucy had said at the end of her prayer time rang through Susanna's mind like the clanging bells in the church's Easter bell choir. What God has opened, no man will shut. It sounded so biblical, so true. How could God's plans ever be thwarted? But was there more to it than that? Of course, God had a plan for every believer's life, but what about those who lived in open rebellion to him? What about those like Jonah who completely disobeyed? If Jonah hadn't repented and returned to Nineveh, would God have destroyed the city right then? Or would he have raised up another more willing prophet to spread his message? God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Is it possible for his plans not to succeed? Not one of all the Lord's good promises failed. Each and every one came to pass. Susanna's thoughts swirled as chaotically as the snowflakes falling from the sky, dancing and descending with no discernible purpose or sense of order. Each and every one came to pass. Of course, there were promises in the Bible, promises that Susanna knew to be true. Jesus would one day return. He would establish his kingdom on earth, a kingdom without pain or mourning or sin, a kingdom where every man, woman, and child would worship the true king in all his splendor. And there were promises for her own life, too, promises that God would wipe away all her tears. She believed it to be true, even though for now she'd only caught short glimpses, ephemeral flashes of the comfort that would one day soothe over all her wounds. He is the God who finishes what he begins, Grandma Lucy had said. He is the God who brings it to completion. There were so many things Susanna couldn't understand. Why God would give her such a passion for the mission field, 
only to stand by idly when her mother's death and her sister's disability trapped her in Orchard Grove for the rest of her life. Why God would bring such a strong, confident man like Scott into her life only to ask her to give him up after everything that happened. To sacrifice her own happiness and future in order to care for the sister she loved. More than anything, she was afraid that one day all this sorrow, all these disappointments, would make her bitter. She had worked with caregivers like that at the assisted living home, people who twenty or thirty years ago might have been compassionate and gentle, but who got tired and burnt out and jaded by the difficulties of their jobs, who resented the patients entrusted into their care. Dear God, please keep my heart from growing hard. Please give me the patience and tenderness I need. Please help me to love Kitty as well as Mom did. I can't do any of this without you, Lord. The snow continued to fall as Susanna pulled her car into the driveway. She didn't know how to protect her own heart in the face of the sorrows and disappointments. She didn't know how to make sense of her grief, grief over burying her mother and losing Scott. But she was convinced that God had promised to never leave her or forsake her. As she made her way up the slushy, icy walkway to her front door, she knew that he would have to be enough. Chapter 20 Riding the bus back to his apartment, Scott pulled out his phone. He'd been so good lately about not checking his messages, wondering every five or ten minutes if he might have an email from her. But even though he knew there wouldn't be one today, his heart raced as he opened his inbox. A few messages from co-workers, but nothing that couldn't wait until he got into the office tomorrow. Two emails from Mission's news websites, which he saved to read later. And that was all. The disappointment was as real and as poignant as it had been four months ago. He stared at his inbox, knowing he should close it, knowing nothing good could come from keeping it open, knowing that if he let himself dwell in the past, he'd be useless for the rest of the day. He tapped the button anyway. Susanna Peters. He'd given her emails a folder of their own. It was the only way to keep his inbox even slightly decluttered. There were over a thousand by now. Some were long and would fill three or four pages if he printed them up. Others were nothing more than a quick Bible verse or word of encouragement she wanted to share with him in the middle of a busy day. He stared at the subject lines, remembering the sweet thrill that always accompanied her notes when they were together. No, not together in the traditional sense. He'd never held her hand, never brushed his lips against her temple, or run his fingers through her hair. Because of her mom's strict rules and the bandwidth issues in Orchard Grove, they'd never even chatted in a video call. The only reason he knew what it was like to stare into her eyes 
was because of the hours he spent gazing at the one photograph she'd sent him. Hopeful hours. Hours of prayerful longing and physical yearning. Wasted. All of them. The bus jostled, and Scott's finger accidentally tapped his screen. Or maybe it wasn't quite as accidental as he wanted to believe. And then he was peering into the documented history of both the deepest joy and sharpest pain of his adult life. The documented history of all the exhilaration and excitement and thrills, as well as the heartache from which there was no escape. Chapter 21 Susanna wiped her boots on the welcome mat and slipped them off as she entered the house. Kitty, I'm back, she called. God, please forgive me for being abrupt with Ricky in the parking lot and for being impatient to get home. Thank you for bringing me here safely. Please make Kitty's stomach able to handle lunch a little late without it messing up her snack time later on. Derek glanced up from the couch as she passed. How is church? She jumped into her apology without answering his question directly. I'm sorry I wasn't back sooner. Service got out late, and the roads are pretty icy. Derek held his book in his hands. Don't worry about it. She did fine. She's just in there listening to her tapes. Years earlier, Susanna's mom had saved up enough money to buy the first ten years of The Adventures in Odyssey radio dramas on cassette. Since she refused to bring a TV into the home, the episodes were Kitty's primary mode of entertainment when everyone else was busy. When their tape player broke a while back, Derek had to order a new one online, since none of the local stores sold them anymore. Susanna hurried into the back room, mentally calculating how she would adjust her sister's feeding schedule now that lunch was delayed. With a digestive system as fickle as Kitty's, the ramifications from even a 15-minute deviation from normal could last for days. Dear God, please help it not get too bad this time. She felt guilty for wasting God's time on these sorts of prayers, with all the lost and hurting in the world, with all the people destined to die in their sins and suffer for eternity, why should God care about her sister's eating habits? Of course he cared, but that still didn't keep Susanna from feeling guilty. Kitty was lying down when Susanna came into the room. Oh, so you're going to keep your head to the wall and not say hi, is that it? She kept her voice playful and walked up to her sister's bedside. You better watch out, or I might have to tickle you while I'm rubbing the kinks out of your back. She didn't even have to touch her sister. Just hearing the word tickle was enough to make Kitty snort, even though she tried to hide her amusement. I can see you trying not to laugh over there. Susanna reached out, but Kitty flinched. I'm not tickling you she told her sister. That was just a joke, but let's give you a little back rub before we get you ready for lunch. 
It was Susanna's mom who discovered that Kitty could handle her bottle of formula better after a massage. That simple discovery had helped Kitty gain 15 pounds and kept her from needing a permanent feeding tube. With hands and fingers made strong from years of practice, Susanna probed out Kitty's tight muscles and addressed them one by one. Everybody missed you in church, you know. That new pastor, the one I told you about with the pretty wife from California, he said to me, Susanna, when do I get to meet that gorgeous sister of yours I've been hearing so much about? I'm beginning to think you made up a story about her just to tease me. Kitty's body tensed up as she let out a jerky laugh. Susanna kept kneading the knots out of her sister's shoulders. You think it's funny, but now I'm about to get in trouble with the pastor because he thinks I'm lying. I told him I'd bring him a picture of you, but he said, Well, anyone can find a picture online these days. How do I know you're not going to find a picture of someone else's sister and bring it to me instead? Derek cleared his throat in the entrance. Gotta run, you two, or I'll miss the afternoon service. Thanks again for coming by, Susanna said. No prob, Derek winked. See you later, kiddo. Susanna wasn't sure if he was talking to her or her sister. Thanks for visiting, she called out in that same cheerful voice she always used around Kitty, and then went back to her story about the pastor. So anyway, Pastor Greg said, If you don't bring your sister to the Christmas Eve service, I'm going to assume that you made up the entire story, and I'm going to be really mad at you. So I said, Oh, please don't, Pastor. Kitty wants to come to church. She really does. But you know how much Mom worries about her. She doesn't want her going out in the winter when she could catch a cold. Or what if we slipped on the ice while we were helping her into the car? So... He agreed that he wouldn't mind waiting to meet you. Your mom's such a wise woman, he said. It always pained Susanna to talk about their mother in the present tense like that. She had tried explaining it to Kitty before, but there was something about her sister's pure and innocent mind that couldn't grasp the finality of death. The few times it did sink in, Kitty either threw up or refused to eat and then she still forgot about it the following day. It was Derek who finally told Susanna she may as well talk to Kitty as if her mother were still alive. Susanna hated the hint of deceit, but in the end decided maybe her stepdad was right. Kitty was so empathetic, and her gut was so connected to her emotional life, that Susanna knew she shouldn't dwell on these disturbing memories— especially not before lunchtime. She smiled and infused as much cheer into her voice as possible and said, I saw your boyfriend today. Kitty displayed her pleasure by kicking the mattress with her one good leg. It was no secret that Kitty's crush on Ricky Fields extended at least as far back as the junior prom when he'd been Susanna's date. Susanna was glad to see her sister so happy. He asked how you're doing, you know, wants to know if you still keep his picture on your nightstand. Two more kicks with her leg, one right after the other. Susanna sighed melodramatically. 
Imagine how sad he was when I told him you'd forgotten all about that picture. Kitty thrashed her head side to side. Even though her sister was grinning broadly, Susanna didn't have the heart to carry on the teasing further. I'm joking. He knows how special that picture is to you. Do you want to look at it after I help you sit up? Another kick, this one calmer. Okay. After working out the worst of Kitty's knots and gently turning her over, Susanna raised the head of the bed so she was sitting up. Do you want lunch here or in the kitchen? Kitty slapped her thigh with her right hand. Here? Susanna guessed. Two slaps now. Kitty threw her head side to side. Oh, you want to see the picture. I told you that's what we'd do first. Kick. Susanna reached for the framed photograph. All right, here's your Prince Charming. Isn't he handsome? Kitty grunted in agreement, and Susanna stared at the image. While she'd done her best to endure Ricky Field's awkward mannerisms and sweaty hands at the homeschool prom, her mom had noticed Kitty's dejected mood and decided to give her a prom of her own. She dressed Kitty up in a hot pink bridesmaid's gown from decades earlier, poofy bows and all. When Ricky brought Susanna home for her ten o'clock curfew, Mom and Kitty were in the living room listening to My Girl, one of the only secular songs the Peters owned. You look beautiful, Kitty, Ricky had said, bowing slightly toward her wheelchair. And for the first time, Susanna thought she might have liked to kiss him if she had permission to. Without waiting for any prompting, he walked up to Susanna's mom and asked, May I dance with your daughter? Her mom's expression was hard to read when she answered, You'll have to ask her yourself. Kitty, do you want to dance with this boy? One kick. Grin. Another kick. That means yes. Susanna explained, wondering how in the world her date expected to dance with her sister, but apparently Ricky's somewhat clunky moves were well suited for the occasion. I got sunshine on a cloudy day, he sang, apparently forgetting he'd spent the entire night with Susanna completely tongue-tied. At first, by the way, he pushed Kitty back and forth in her wheelchair she may as well have been a vacuum cleaner. But by the second chorus, he grew a little more savvy, even tipping her back on her wheels for a dip and making her mom squeal in fear. Kitty howled, which really is the literal way to describe it, with delight. And after the last chorus died out, her mom ran to grab the camera to capture the moment forever. In the photo, Ricky has taken Kitty's good hand and is leaning over it like he's about to give her a kiss. There's something charming in his expression, Susanna recognized, even as she joked around with her sister. I still can't believe you stole my date from me that night. A kick and a wide grin. That's probably why you made Mom get you all dressed up, huh? You knew that one look at you and Ricky Fields couldn't resist, right? grinning even wider. 
Susanna set the picture back on her sister's nightstand and gave her a gentle kiss on the cheek. Come on, let's get you some lunch. Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This has been What Dreams May Come by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our fundraiser for COVID-19 relief work, which you can find out about more when you go to alanaterry.com slash novels. This page will have a link to our fundraiser for as long as it runs. I hope and pray that you stay safe and healthy. I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.